Hey everyone, welcome to the Local Youth Worker Podcast. Before we get to my discussion with Cyril today, let me tell you about a few other things going on with RYM. Uh, Many of you know we just released our first worship album entitled Promised Land. Be sure and check that out. But we've also released a free 12-week Bible study that goes along with this album. So it allows you to dig deeper into the lyrics and the content on that album. Uh, be sure to check that out. If you go to rym.org resources, you'll see that in our Bible Studies tab. Uh, we also have two other podcasts, Parenting Today and the RYM Student Podcast. We would love for you to check out. Uh, but here is my conversation with Cyril. And I forgot to mention in this entire interview that Cyril is going to be our main speaker at our High School Florida One Conference. Uh, so you can check that out at rym.org slash conferences. Here's my conversation with Cyril. Hope you enjoy it. Oh, come and feast without Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Local Youth Worker, a daily podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Pirrett. Today we will be speaking with Reverend Cyril Chavis. Cyril, welcome. Man, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Cyril is the RUF campus minister at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Many who have tuned into this podcast know about Reformed University Fellowship. We've had several campus ministers on this show, but RUF, just very briefly, is a college ministry of the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, and I'm sure we'll get into some of that a little bit as uh, Cyril and I start. Um, Cyril, before we get into uh, the questions, how about you just tell us a little bit about uh, your family, uh, where you're from, and um, all that good stuff. Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm from Virginia. Uh, Both of my parents are from Southeast Texas area, and my dad was in the Navy, so we moved around a lot. So before I was the age of five, I was in Italy, Houston. I was born in Silver Spring, Maryland. Then we eventually, when I was like five or six, settled down in Norfolk and then hopped next door to Virginia Beach. So uh, I spent most of my life there uh, after I graduated high school, went to UVA. I grew up in a Christian home. We went to church most Sundays and uh, ended up uh, gaining a, a great Christian foundation from that. And at UVA really was an opportunity for me to explore my faith and really uh, say, okay, who is Jesus? What is the gospel? How does it relate to me? Um, and so the end of my freshman year of college, I, you know, decided to really pursue the Lord. Really, I was converted, gave my life to the Lord. And I think my love for the world was broken with just typical college woes, just, you know, being outside of the home, having freedom and just doing what I wanted to do. And, uh, just really kind of being in a, in a, space where everyone's 18 to 22. So there's really not a lot of wisdom and maturity kind of naturally in that space. And so really after um, my freshman year, really sought a campus ministry to really gain some wisdom, be around people who were striving to follow the Lord and to grow. So I ended up getting quickly involved in that, uh, quickly got on the leadership team, and around my junior year of college decided I wanted to pursue ministry. So I went into college as a Pre-commerce at UVA, we have the Commerce School. Basically, after two years of being in the College of Arts and Sciences, you can apply to be in the Commerce School, and then you finish your last two years in the Commerce School. Commerce School is basically a fancy UVA way of saying business school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then end up uh, ended up wanting to be go to med school, so I was pre-med for a little bit, and then decided I want to go to seminary. So I was like, hey, I've already taken a lot of religious studies classes. Why not just be a religious studies major? Uh, so ended up coming down to Jackson, Mississippi to go to RTS Jackson. My pastors at the time loved RTS, and they said, man, uh, either that or Covenant are the places to go. Uh, so came down here, went to RTS in the middle of my time here, got married. Uh, so I currently have a wife and a child and another one on the way. She's due in April. Uh, and also I've been at uh, Jackson State for the past five years. So I've been there for two years as an intern, two years as kind of like an interim staff. Uh, the previous campus minister started pastoring a local church here, and I ended up kind of sticking around and preaching and uh, doing whatever we needed to do to just basically keep that thing afloat, me being a full-time seminary student and part-time staff. And then this past year, I've been 
serving as the full-time campus minister. So I've, I've been having a blast. It's definitely been a challenge. I've been learning a lot, but it's been fun, man. I, I love my students, man. I, I laugh with and at my students all the time and uh, they laugh mostly at me and man, it's a, it's a, it's a great space to be. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. And Cyril and I were, were catching up a little bit before we started recording and we were saying you know, the last time I saw Cyril, Cyril, he was trying to, or just finishing seminary, had a baby on the way and getting ordained kind of all in the span of what, a couple of months. Isn't that right? Yeah. So it was like, uh, no, December, I was finishing up seminary uh, at, the, at the same time, yep, doing exams and be, my daughter was born number second. So it was just a little whirlwind there. So, man, I'm glad to just be like when I wake up in the morning, you know, I'm doing one thing. I'm going to the <laughs> Jackson State yes. <laughs> and I'm coming home and hanging with the family. Absolutely. Yeah. Remember those days of just balancing seminary and home life and the church. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to kind of be a little more focused um, not that uh, a second baby on the way doesn't <laughs> give you a lot of downtime, but um, but, but allows <laughs> right. you to be a little more focused uh, for sure. Um, yeah, well, so we'll see how things change when that second baby comes. I guess that's yeah, definitely going to have to retweak and you know, <laughs> like help. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, look, m- many who listen to the show know that this third season uh, we are sharing people's stories. Uh, We know that story is very significant to Christians. Uh, We know that God revealed himself through story. He gave us a book uh, to communicate his love uh, for his children. And so really that's, that's what we're doing on this third season of the podcast. I mean, we do have those... Uh, who are experts in various fields of ministry uh, to come and speak. Uh, But we also reach out to youth workers as well as campus ministers. I mean, RUF uh, has been a significant ministry that impacted me personally, and we know many uh, have been impacted by RUF. We even often have RUF campus ministers coming and speaking at our summer youth conferences um, and so all that to say, uh, we're, we're going to get to hear from Cyril today and hear his story uh, a little bit more. And um, it, it was interesting just as you started out, Cyril, I'd forgotten you were from Virginia Beach, uh, but didn't realize you, you've kind of traveled around the world uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of random. <laughs> yeah, no. And so that's just, uh, again, how significant story is, uh, hearing uh, where, where all we've been and how the, the Lord has taught us and woven different you know providences together to uh, bring us to where we are today. So really, wh- why don't we back up a little bit? I know you, you said some of this in the intro, um, but just what we're, I guess, as you said, you, you moved around a lot, but where would you call you know home? And then also you said you grew up in, in a church. Uh, just tell us a little bit about kind of specifically you know, not only where you, you grew up, but then also when you when you came to know the Lord, when you made that profession of faith, when you, you know you were converted. And I know sometimes people don't have a specific date to nail down. Um, but what do you think when someone asks you that? Yeah, that's good. Man, and I feel like my answer to that changes uh, depending on the phase of life I'm in or, you know, I feel like my answer to that question has developed over time. As I look back, I guess they say hindsight is 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, so it's interesting. My dad grew up Catholic and my mom grew up missionary Baptist. So it was like kind of really polar opposites. Like, so, you know, um, when I was a, 11, I was baptized in a Baptist church. Like my whole family joined that church. Um, but before that, you know, we would go back and forth between, Baptist church services and Catholic mass. So, you know, we, uh, one Sunday we'd be at this big, you know, kind of, I'm not an architectural uh, kind of <laughs> sore, but like, I'm guessing it's like Gothic, you know, church structures, like long steeples and, you know, St. I think it was called St. Mary's Cathedral, St. Mary's Basilica or something like that. And, you know, we walked in, there's a holy water and big high ceilings and a priest and uh, uh, the Eucharist and, you know, church was like an hour long. A sermon was like 10 minutes long. Uh, <laughs> like, so, man, as a little kid, I love going to the uh, Catholic mass. I was like, yes, you know, it was like cool in there. They felt like they had the AC on. Uh, but then, you know, we, on other Sundays, we go to uh, the Baptist church. And the Baptist church was a traditional African-American Baptist church. So, you know, um, it it was very exuberant, very expressive. Uh, the service would be 
anywhere from two to three hours long. We get there at 11 and we get out at like 1.30 or 2 p.m. Uh, the sermon might be an hour long. Uh, you know, I felt like the it, it was it was hot in there because we had like all different ages and some of the senior saints really liked the, you know, the heat on. So I was just like <laughs> hot and sitting there for a long time as a little kid. So it was just funny, like growing up having those two kind of polar opposites and eventually uh, I'm guessing I don't you know, I guess it's funny trying to guess what goes on within your parents marriage as you look back on it. But I'm guessing my parents had, you know, conversations and uh, wrestled through a lot of the convictions and things like that between the Catholic Church and, you know, a, a Baptist church. And we eventually joined the Baptist church. My dad uh, became Baptist. My mom has always been like real uh, traditional Baptist growing up. Um, and so we joined that church, I went to church every Sunday. Uh, and, 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 and I was, you know, I, I did summon a little bit in the choir, served in the usher ministry a little bit, but pretty much, you know, I, I served in the, um, a, uh, or I, uh, I went to church on Sundays. My parents bought me my first Bible, you know, they taught me how to pray, taught me how to do the right thing. Um, and so that was like a, a, a great foundation, but I, I guess I never really, um, you know, I always saw myself as a Christian, but I think, uh, and I always saw like going to church as important and God as important. But, you know, my freshman year of college ended up going to University of Virginia. And so I think just uh, having that freedom, you know, I went there with my mindset was like, man, I'm going here to get a degree. I'm going to make A's, graduate, make money. That's the plan. Uh, and I remember my dad even said that, you know, he was like, man, I'm not sending you to UVA to find a wife. I'm not sending you to even make friends. I'm sending you there to make A's. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was my mindset. But I quickly got distracted with like partying. And I think a lot of the idols that were there when I was a kid, uh, like flared up even more, just in- insecurity and really like a little bit of anger stuff and like probably some depression and anxiety and just wanting to assert a certain image of myself before other people caring way too much about what other people thought uh just uh, like like i said partying and i think t- towards the end of my freshman year i started but all, but all this time you know i would still go to church and i went to a bible study in the middle of the week just because i knew that's what uh i should be doing um and i, I was always a moral guy like i think i think i was a principled person you know i had i was always looking for some type of principle or code to to live my life. And so growing up, I did martial arts. And so I think I really was into martial arts and that was a huge source of how I thought and the discipline I had and from my parents and in, in, in the Christian faith offered that. But I'm not sure if I understood truly what grace meant and what it meant to really pursue Jesus. Uh, and so I, I kind of, the, the end of my freshman year, ended up just getting in trouble at partying. And basically that was kind of like a, a wake up call for me where I was just like, okay, like I let my parents down, like this kind of whole, these friend circles and these things that I enjoy aren't really giving anything back. Like they take from you, but they don't give back. I was just feeling empty and like, you know what? And is this really how I want to spend a lot of my time? Uh, And so uh, ended up coming back my sophomore year and just like, man, I just felt like a deep need to be around other Christians and to get plugged into Christian community. So I think that was the first time I think my love for the world was really broken. And I really saw myself as one in need of grace from God. I felt one who was like truly undeserving. It's not that I thought myself as deserving necessarily or explicitly in my head. It was just, it was the first time I really kind of popped on my radar in a strong way, I guess, in an experiential way. So I ended up getting involved in campus ministry. I think that was huge uh, to uh, be able to, um, really get plugged into other people who were my age. And I was a knucklehead, man. I, I was, <laughs> you know, I, they were very, very gracious. They, uh, I, they really embraced me, really taught me a lot about Christian service, a lot about what it means to share the gospel, a lot about what it means for my life to be an adorning of a gospel that's already beautiful. Um, but for my life to be consistent with what I say I believe. And of course, like, you know, I, I, I still have a lot to learn and had a lot to learn. Um, but I think the Lord used me in ways in college that I look back on and I'm just like, wow, you know, praise God. And, you know, I think people knew I was 
a guy who like I, I was talking to a guy the other day not the other day like maybe a couple years ago um probably more than a couple i, I say the other day like and it's like three years ago <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do that too yeah <laughs> it can cover like, a, lot, talking... a, a lot of time yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> but i was a buddy from college and he was just like and he reached out to me and he was just uh he's like man i really need your help uh he's just going through some stuff and he knew i was uh you know pursuing ministry at the time and and he just mentioned this and he said, man, you were like one of the only guys in our class to just like wake up and just like know God. He's like, I don't know if you had any type of Christian background or not, but like you obviously didn't, you know, just from me knowing you. And you know, <laughs> so it's just like a wake up. Like, you know, I'm thinking I'm a Christian, you know, but like from everyone, the way everyone else is seeing me, they're just like, yeah, you obviously didn't have any type of Christian background growing up, <laughs> but like. You suddenly knew God and, you know, another guy was my roommate my freshman year. It was just like my senior year, I actually reached out to him and uh, how did that happen? I think I asked him if he wanted to lead a Bible study with me. And he was just like, uh, I think he said something like, oh, wow, Cyril, that's cool. I didn't know you're a Christian. And it's like, yeah, when we lived together, I I didn't know you had any type of Christian background. So it was just that type of deal where. It's like, okay, like maybe I was like wowing more than I thought. (laughs) And I think when we're Christians, like this is just something I personally believe. I think that as Christians, we should live in such a way where people suspect we're Christians. You know, Mm -hmm. when people say, oh, that person lives differently and that person has different rhythms about their life. And this person thinks differently. And this person mentions Jesus because this person loves Jesus. Uh, So looking back on it, I'm just like, man, I think I was a religious person growing up and i think i had morals and i think i believed in the christian god but i'm not sure if i ever relied and trusted on jesus um in a way that uh the repentance was more than just kind of like a a a sorrow for for breaking my moral code it was i think i needed a saving faith along with that kind of well, along with a true repentance unto life. Um, so, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of my perception. So I think it, 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 I'm not sure if it was a moment. I think it was a, and I think this is often how it happens as you hear people's stories. It's kind of like a period of time. It's like, I think it happens sometime within this, within this two month time span. I don't know exactly when, it, but you know, it kind of happened in there. And I think it's important that you know, I think we can put pressure on ourselves a lot of times. It's like, oh, when was that moment when you felt butterflies? Or like, when did like, you know, you felt like a punch to the gut? And like, at what time? And I think when the Bible talks about conversion, it doesn't talk about like showing a pr- the proof of some experiential moment. It it just asks, what are you currently believing and what are you currently doing? Um, and I am currently believing in Jesus and currently obeying Jesus. And I think that genuinely started sometime around my freshman, the end of my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year of college. Now that, that's good. I think that is helpful, as you just kind of said at the end, of not nailing it down to one specific day. Because, you know, as we're both in, in student ministry, um, you know, I think that can communicate pressure to our students to kind of, okay, did I have that one moment? And maybe I'm not really a believer if I didn't have that moment. And so I think it's good to, to be cautious um, of that. And I wanted to go back to, you know, you talking about you know, growing up in the Catholic church a little bit, and then also being in a Baptist church, uh, just kind of asking where your, your parents are now, which church they're a part of, because I'm, I'm thinking you're in the PCA and you're a PCA campus minister. And, you know, how did your family deal with that? You kind of leaving, uh, you know, your background in the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, and becoming Presbyterian. How, what, what was that like? And again, how did your parents react to that? Yeah, so um, so my parents are Baptist, and they still go to the same church I was in which I was baptized. Uh, and so, and, and for me, I think I think growing up, we didn't really have a. Um, I, I think in some ways. I think a lot of Christians kind of have a a awareness of all of the different Christian traditions. Um, so like, you know, Anglican, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, and all these different kind of denominations. But I think like really, uh, especially in the black community, like, I th- you know, there's kind of seven historic black denominations that are 
largely black and I've started out as black. Of course, there's black people within predominantly white denominations, but kind of the uh, out of the seven, um, one is Pentecostal. I want to say three are Methodist and three are Baptist. So it's like if you're growing up in the black church, you're either like Baptist, Methodist or Pentecostal. So I think like when I was talking to when I initially kind of was getting in and it was in my around my third year of college where I joined kind of like a Calvinistic Baptist church in Charlottesville. And I was getting into, uh, you know, uh, reform theology and, you know, a reform view of how we're saved and kind of dabbling into some Presbyterianism, even though I didn't really know any Presbyterians very well. So I think my parents were just like reformed and like Presbyterian and like, you know, you're not going to a type of church tradition that you grew up in, you know, they, I think it was just like a, a literally just, they didn't know, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, what is this? And, uh, is this a you cult know, it, that you're involved in. Is that what right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I initially thought that too. I was like, with the, like reformed, like the, I don't know what, what is it, the young restless and reforms oh, yeah. and all that. And it's just like, you know, okay. Like they are really excited about these specific beliefs and everyone's white, and this is weird. Like, what is going on? <laughs> so, for a black guy who grew up in the traditional African American church, it was definitely a new experience. Um, and so, I think the really first major exposure to the PCA was when I came to seminary and got involved with RUF uh, here at Jackson State. And I was at the time, Elbert McGowan was uh, the campus minister. I, I think he spoke at RYM last year and the yeah, year yeah. the year before. Um, so, like, uh, and I was involved in a PCA church, a multi-ethnic PCA church here in town. So I think, you know, I was slowly being exposed to the PCA, and I initially was Baptist and was like, okay, I just don't know about the Presbyterian convictions or distinctions. I just literally don't know. I haven't really thought about them. Like, I haven't really thought about, like, sac- the sacraments and, like, what actually is going on there, like the Lord's Supper and baptism. I've never just thought deeply about infant baptism versus believer's baptism and how does that all play out? Like church polity and church structure, all those things were just were just new. And so I think it was a process of really thinking through and wrestling through in the scriptures, reading books uh, for the for the the duration of the four years I was in seminary. And it's funny, I'm like pretty like like I I don't know like I'm pretty like a uh, a stiff Presbyterian now. Like I <laughs> I'm like pretty hardcore Presbyterian. I, I, I don't mean to be, but I think I was just like, yeah, I think I agree with everything in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Like, I don't have any exceptions. <laughs> it's just funny. I came in, I was like, man, like, I don't know about all this PCA stuff. And now I'm just like, oh yeah, man, I believe everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to go back. I was going to ask you something um, uh, again about just your church experience, but also what you said about how you started kind of uh, inspecting or investigating some of these reformed um, you know, doctrines. And I guess wh- where did you first get exposed to reformed doctrines? What were some of those, uh, you know, doctrines that you were exploring or whatever? I think you said around college is when you started getting some exposure to reformed theology. And so, um, just how, how did that cross your path? How did you cross paths with reformed theology and, and all that? And so, um, so when I was on leadership of the campus ministry, so the campus ministry I was a part of, it was so crew has a kind of black college outreach arm called impact. So the campus ministry at UVA was initially a part of impact. They broke off from impact were kind of their own deal for a little bit. So there's no staff. It was just purely student led. And then InterVarsity kind of adopted the ministry under their kind of branch of black college outreach called BCM. I think it's called black college ministries. So, um, so because like so this this ministry was very heavily student led. It kind of has always had that DNA, uh, and even so, you know, in, in, just InterVarsity and Impact are also you know they just emphasize a lot uh, of student leadership. So uh, when I first got on leadership, I was a large group coordinator. So I, my job was to invite outside speakers to come in and preach. So we'd invite local area pastors to come preach, uh, which is you know which might be foreign to some of you know, uh, RYM students, because when we think about RUF, we think about, okay, campus minister preaches every week. But really, like, when I was an undergrad, the campus minister was, like, doing a lot of leadership development, would um, do one-on-ones with students and kind of oversee small groups and everything. But 
uh, at, at our particular campus, the campus minister didn't preach often when I was there. Now, he might have preached once or twice a semester. So I was reaching out to local area pastors and inviting them to come preach. And one of the pastors who came and preached uh, was a part of a local Calvinistic Baptist church in town. And uh, it was like kind of one of the first times where I really, um, I guess, heard someone who, and, and, you know, people talk about, you know, I think labels are helpful if they're, I guess, somewhat specific, you know, so people argue over like what's reformed and what's not reformed. I'm speaking just very broadly reformed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the first time I heard a reformed guy uh, preach and I remember we invited him to preach about self-esteem and I'm thinking he's going to be like, oh yeah, you guys are great. You guys are awesome. Like the Lord loves you. The Lord calls you awesome. And he was just like, man, it's not even about your esteem. It's about Jesus's esteem, (laughs) you know? And I was like, whoa, you know, this is, this is cool. Man, that was like at an angle. I didn't really see you uh, coming ended up kind of attending that church off and on along with a couple other churches um and i just like was really drawn to just the the preacher the the kind of teaching pastor of the church was just kind of verse by verse expository preaching um and i was just really drawn to it so i was just you know we'll go to that church and a couple others in the area eventually the pastor who i invited to preach at the large group who was who was one of the associate pastors at that church he pursued me and invited me along to come to uh, the church and consider joining the church and consider going on a mission trip. And I was like, you know, I just done like a brief Wikipedia search on reform theology and I just concluded that I was Arminian. So, um, <laughs> and you know, I still, and I, you know, I, I grew up in a church where we had, uh, women who preached and women were very much involved in the leadership of the church. And so I just kind of told him, man, you know, you guys don't ordain women. That's weird. And like this reform stuff is that's weird too. I'm Arminian. He was like, okay, man, just like come with us on the missions trip and, you know, consider coming to some of our events. And I was like, okay. So long story short, I went on the mission trip. We went up to Camden, New Jersey. Um, and we ended up going up there and, uh, basically, uh, the guy called up to the church and was like, Hey man, I got a guy that I want y'all to talk to. And they're just like, okay, what do you mean talk to? And he's like, yeah, I need you like to talk to him. So basically, like I found myself that night, first night in the the city, we were I was in one of the um, assistant pastors of the church up there. The church was a, a um, Epiphany Camden. He just like grilled me. He's basically like, man, you need to learn the scriptures. You need to get it submitted to a local church. You need to join a church. Um, you need to do what you need to do to train yourself and grow. And so, uh, man, he just kind of just really challenged me. So I ended up telling uh, the guy from in, in the church in Charlottesville was, uh, was called Portico Church. And I ended up telling uh, the pastor from Portico Church, I was like, man, I really want to join and really want to be a part of the mix of your church. And so I was uh, ended up doing uh, a kind of church planting residency at Portico, but also at the same time being a, a minister in training at my church back home. So I would write sermons and submit them to my pastor back home. Um, so I was working to get licensed to be preached within the National Baptist Convention, while at the same time hanging out and kind of absorbing a lot of kind of the reformed evangelical DNA. So I don't know, I guess my, my journey, really, I have like, I'm really kind of like a denominational mutt. I just have like an influence <laughs> from a little bit of everything on me. You, um, name, you name it, and you've been a part of it, right? <laughs> right. There's a lot of Presbyterian influences, but a lot of kind of Baptist, like Bapticostal influences with along with, you know, kind of uh, Calvinistic evangelicalism and that whole deal. And, you know, it's just, you know, I've been in Virginia and then been down here in the Deep South. So it's just a, a, a little mix of everything. Yeah. But I, guess, I, I, guess, I guess that's kind of how a long story of how I got involved with uh, reform theology. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, that's good. I mean, it's good to hear again your story and to hear all that background. And uh, you know, going back again to a few things that you said, um, you know, as you began to explore reform theology a little bit more, and you saw some of those things that turned you off a little bit. And as you said, hey, there's just a bunch of white people around, and um, <laughs> and then and, and some of those issues, and then also saying how you've just kind of become, you know. I think a stuffy Presbyterian is what you said. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Talk just a little bit about that, if you, if you don't mind, of just kind of first getting exposed to this world of Presbyterianism and some of the reluctance there. What, what were some of the, uh, the ways in which you were reluctant to be more into the PCA, um, but then, you know, how you've come to really buy into, accept, and appreciate a lot about Presbyterianism? Yeah, that's good. Um, I think one of the huge things, um, I, I just grew up in a traditional African-American church and I'd had no neg. Well, you know, it was like a great experience. I think a lot of people grow up in the African-American church and they have a negative experience. And so I think they go to other church traditions kind of in a reaction against um, the African-American church. But I, I, I didn't have any church hurt. Um, I think there's a period of time where I was kind of like, um, I think, I think my experience was with the African American church, they, they shaped me in unique ways. I think, um, you know, much of what I know about just devotion to the Lord, like, uh, personal piety, uh, exuberance and praise and worship, much of what I appreciate and want to be as a preacher, um, like a lot of pastoral care I've learned from that church and a lot of just ways of viewing the scriptures and uh, loving and appreciating the scriptures I learned from that church. Uh, but also I'm looking at like, on the other hand, I'm like learning about uh, kind of like Calvinism and Reformed theology and kind of in this tradition that is in some ways more cerebral. And I think I was I was also in African-American churches in many ways is, is more intuitive. And um, so I think... Uh, like having those different kind of dynamics going on and then kind of, but at the same time, Presbyterianism in my head was kind of like, I guess for the lack of a better term, like very, very white, you know, it was just like, I think I, I think Baptists are like black Baptists and then kind of like being a predominantly white church that was Baptist, but it, but it wasn't like, you know, like, deep south kind of sort of high church it was like contemporary worship people dressed down you know it was in charlottesville uh so you know that whole vibe kind of made it i guess a you could say a, a good entrance way into kind of like having a predominantly white experience as far as religion because i think like i think i knew that white people went to church but I never really realized it until I went to college because mm. I never worshiped with white people. Mm. So I remember um, a Bible study I was a part of at campus. One of the guys invited me to his church and I went there and it was a mostly white church. I was just like, whoa, like white people go to church. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that I disbelieved it. And I seen white people on TV going to church, but it was just I, it just clicked like, yes, you know, white people do the same, have mm. all the same things that black people do. And. They are religious, too, and they have their own church traditions. And so I think uh, the PCA in my head was just very much, um, I guess for lack of a better way to describe it, like very white, you know. Um, and so uh, I think kind of in my head, transitioning into the PCA was, I was a little hesitant um, just because it was foreign. And there's just horror stories of, you know, we just have an ugly history in America and um, particularly in the deep South with just white and black church relations and just, you know, uh, a lot of the reason why the black church exists is because of a, or at least formally exists, like there's historically black denominations is because of the racism that black people experienced in these predominantly white denominations. Um, and so kind of like thinking about going back into that, it, it it was just like, okay, you know, and hearing horror stories of like, mm -hmm. you know, these, these, these people in these denominations, like who have like did just, I mean, I could just probably just think of a ton of stories. I don't, I don't think I need to like tell them here just because it's kind of sad. I don't want to just make the podcast really sad, <laughs> but, <laughs> but just where black people have just been kind of disrespected or not seen as equal, or they thought that, you know, a black pastor might have been like, you know, the the servant at denominational meetings or whatever it might be, you know. So it just kind of like coming into it, I think being at a multi-ethnic Presbyterian church and um, being at an RUF at an HBCU were great kind of 
you could say like a runway into the PCA. I mean, even ministering at RUF at HBCU, I think for a lot of young black guys who grew up in the traditional African-American church and are kind of being exposed to, uh, you could say, reform convictions um, and are being more exposed to like, oh, man, like there's different expressions of the Christian faith. Like there's there's white Christians, there's Hispanic Christians, there's Asian-American Christians. I worship with all of those in college. Like I was a part of a group that was predominantly Asian-American and uh, we met up and worshiped and. I was a part of a group that was uh, intervarsity is just predominantly white ministry. So just knowing uh, other intervarsity students on campus and getting to know them and worshiping with them, I just and then being a part of uh, Portico and they desire to pursue racial reconciliation and just knowing a, a black assistant pastor at that church is just like okay, I'm like this guy who grew up in a black church had a wonderful experience in it, appreciate all that it has to offer. And at the same time, realizing this history of racial relations in the church. We're also realizing that, you know, there's other expressions, cultural expressions of the Christian faith and that the Lord calls us all and somehow to like be in the midst of all the ugliness of what um, kind of the American church has been when it comes to race. And so I think uh, for a guy like me, I think being a part of a PCA, a multi-ethnic PCA church and a part of a RUF at HBCU was like a good um, introduction where it wasn't like boom like i'm just like <laughs> from african-american church to like kind of all white kind of high church pca deal you know um i, I, I hope that makes sense i hope i'm Absolutely. answering yeah i mean able to kind of ease yourself into the the world for sure and um and now as you said you didn't want to make this a sad podcast and we <laughs> appreciate appreciate that but it's also important at the same time to to mention that and um you know think about some of the history of the pca it's important to uh, to reflect on that. So I appreciate you bringing that up and, and to be sure, you know, as you say, HBCU, um, that's historically black college or university. Um, sometimes we can throw, right. throw around those, um, you know, PCA, RUF, RYM and <laughs> HBCU yep, sorry. and people. No, 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 so I just wanted to clarify if, if any didn't know HBCU. Um, so, yep, no, so kind of in the HBCU world, HBCU is, yeah, like you said, historically black college and university. And then, a PWI is a predominantly white institution. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I went to a PWI, but I'm ministering at HBCU. So that's kind of, <laughs> if, if I say that, then y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Um, I did want to go back again, uh, as you were talking about um, your church experience, um, is thinking about you as a student, uh, since you are in student ministry, you know, on the college campus. Uh, we're in student ministry with RYM. We're dealing with youth, uh, those that you will see eventually uh, from uh, our ministry. Um, just thinking about your growing up in the church, uh, you said I think you were part of the usher ministry and uh, some other things. Did you have a formal youth group you were a part of? or And if not, I mean, what kind of a student were you in church? Um, could you just give us a little bit of a background there. Yeah, that's good. And, and it's interesting because I think— um, and I'm constantly trying to, and I'm still in, my thoughts are still in formation about this, like kind of um, the role of youth ministry within uh, my church, particularly growing up. And I think largely, more largely the African-American church. Um, so, so growing up, I'm not sure if we had a formal youth pastor or ministry, I think. We had children Sunday school and we had youth events and we had a youth choir, but I'm not sure. If, I don't think we ever had like a youth pastor, um, which I think would have been extremely valuable uh, to have kind of like someone to come alongside the parents and to disciple the, the, the kids and to be a, a resource for um, households to disciple, disciple us, you know, growing up. Um, and I think part of it is just like, maybe Baptist, uh, I don't know. could be because, you know, at Jackson State, a lot of my students don't, didn't have youth pastors, you know, I think. And, and because of that, I think what I do on campus might be foreign to a lot of students. Mm -hmm. And so for me to meet up for one-on-one -on -one and to have large groups and small groups, and I think people are like, oh, what's that? You know, or people just, the campus ministry isn't on their radar at all because they just don't know it exists really, you know. I think most most students kind of had a, you know, a, were at a church, even it was a larger church with one kind of main pastor and the youth 
kind of were led by uh, a lot of the lay leaders or the, some of the so in, in my church growing up in a Baptist in in probably in most Baptist churches you have the the lead pastor or just the pastor and then you have the deacons and the ministers and the ministers are basically people who help the pastor with teaching um, so like when um, I was licensed as a minister in the Baptist uh, National Baptist Convention. Um, or, or I guess in Mongolia Missionary Baptist Church, which is part of the National Baptist Convention, and, probably, and I think has other affiliations. But so, like you know, in the PCA to be a minister, that means you're like the senior pastor. But in my church tradition, when you're a minister, that means you're like a but you're basically licensed to teach. Um, so like the ministers and the deacons and some of the lay leaders would, uh, I think, lead the youth uh, informally. But um, I'm not sure if there's an organized kind of point pastor and led and had large group meetings throughout the week and small groups and one-on-ones. So I mean, I, I actually wonder what that would look like for a lot of churches uh, to, to do that. Because I think like, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, and like I said, I'm still even now thinking a lot about this. Um, I think when you, uh, like you can, I think you can really tell when a college student had like a pastor in their lives, you know, you can just tell the influence when they had a, you know, uh, trained godly pastor really pouring into their lives growing up. It's just so crucial. Um, and I think just a, a lot of the churches in Mississippi are small country churches. So they probably have like a bivocational pastor. Um, and they, you know, probably don't have enough money to pay him a full-time salary. So they're probably not going to have a, you know, a youth pastor on staff. You might have a lot of these guys who are bivocational and like pastoring two or three smaller churches in the country. So they're like maybe working in the city and then they drive an hour and a half out to one church to preach and then another church to preach. And then every other Sunday they're doing the same thing for another church, you know? So I think preaching was just very, is and has been and probably will always be very central um, to the African-American church to the point where like many people's, I think many of the youth church experience is the, the, the totality of it is Sunday morning preaching and, uh, and, 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 a Wednesday night preaching and then, you know, the, the music. Uh, so, uh, those are, those are kind of my thoughts about just like me, me growing up at, uh, part of that church um and so you know and i think there's you know like the ushers ministry and the choir you had those the leaders of those ministries were kind of unofficially kind of like the youth um staff you know uh they they kept up with the youth and made sure we're acting right and you know uh you know told us about the lord and uh yeah man i don't know i'm still developing my thoughts on that i'm i'm i think as I've been doing campus ministry, I've been thinking about how the church is and has been shaping the students who I'm ministering to. Because I mean, when they come to college, they're 18. They've had 18 years of of either good or bad discipleship, you know. And so I have them for, on average, probably two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, part of my job is figuring out how and where I'm jumping into their Christian journey. Um, and so I think part of my job for some students is to introduce them to what it means to have a full-time pastor who is only just doing a specific, um, uh, demographic kind of centered ministry. I think a lot of guys, you know, a lot of clergy who I meet who are professors or who work at Jackson state, they ask me, Oh man. So, okay. You, you, uh, you do campus ministry. That's awesome. Uh, what, you know, what, what church do you pastor? Or they ask, oh man, like you, you, you do that full time? Cause it's just like, I think in the back of their heads, it's just like, well, how do you get paid full time to do this ministry? That's very narrow and specific, you know, mm-hmm. like usually if someone had time to do that, they're bivocational and they're also the lead pastor of another church. And that church probably pays them enough to be able to go to campus mm-hmm. and actually have a significant ministry on campus. So I think it's a blessing when churches can have a full-time youth guy just to pour into the youth. Mm, for sure. And, and like you said, I mean, that's just got to be challenging, as you said, of 
just as you're communicating what you're doing on the college campus, that's so foreign um, to so many, uh, you know, just depending on, you know, their church background, um, but had never really thought about it from that perspective. That's uh, interesting to hear for sure. And and I did want to go back to, as you, you, you talked about just a lot of growth that occurred, you know, when you were in college, uh, when did you first start sensing that you wanted to get into full-time ministry? I mean, again, if I heard you correctly, you moved from Charlottesville, Virginia, down to to Jackson, um, to right. Tartias, and so just that's obviously a big move. And so, when when did you start realizing now I want to do uh, ministry full time? So it was really I remember um, I remember I was at an university regional retreat, and I remember the area director approached me was like, "Hey, Cyril, really want to invite you to come to interest meeting for university staff." really see the hand of God at work in your life, you know, want you to consider it. And at that point I was like, whatever. I was like, I'm going to go because, you know, I, w- I was uh, honored that I would be invited. But I was like, man, I'm, my plan is to be a doctor. Uh, and then, you know, later on that same retreat, somebody asked me like, oh, man, you know, did, did you go to the meeting? I was like, I actually can't even remember if I went. I think I went. I'm pretty sure I went. <laughs> but uh, and I think he asked me like, Oh, how'd it go? And I said, oh, man, you know, or he asked me, you know, do you see yourself being a full-time ministry? I was like, oh, no, man, I, man I'll, I'll teach Bible study if somebody wants me to, but I got enough problems of my own. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's like, I don't want to be helping other people with their problems. And I remember he kind of was like, but isn't that like kind of the whole point of ministry? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I think over over the months, like people, different people just affirmed like, hey, you know, Cyril, I, I see a gifting in you to be able to do this type of work. And so, um, you know, at the end of my junior year, I really started thinking seriously about it. Like, okay, is this something that I really want to do? Is this something I want to pursue? Um, I remember I told my pastor um, back home about it, and he just told me to pray. He said he's delighted to hear that, continue to seek the Lord about it. Um and I just continued to pray, and I think the desire to pursue it grew more and more. And um, I remember I was at my church in uh, in Norfolk. And I remember another guy basically when a, a minister in training or, or MIT, when they get licensed, they you know they have uh, their initial sermon or their trial sermon. It's basically they preach the sermon, and then uh, afterwards they get licensed. And I went to one of my friends, his trial sermon, and he just preached about calling, you know preach from first Samuel three and what it means to be called. I think I can, I maybe can still remember the points. I think it was like, uh, no, nah, I can't like, now I'm thinking about it, but it's something like, you know, uh, you know, is the, when the Lord calls, you know, is urgent. And when the Lord calls, um, he does it repetitively and when the Lord calls, you know, so just kind of the sermon was about calling. And I remember, uh, my pastor, I think, looking like looking over at me and catching eye contact with me and like he kind of made a face like ah but you know i like it's just one of those things that you just know what that means he's just like yeah this is for you cyril like <laughs> <laughs> or it, it's just one of those things where i think i can't put words to it he was just like yeah like this is god you know, I, I don't even i don't want to put words in his mouth but i just knew what that meant that face meant uh, and so I think that later on that night, I was just like, okay, God, um, man, I'm going to take this risk. And if you don't want me to do this, I'll trust that in your providence, you'll make that plain. And so I just kind of made that leap. I was like, all right, I'm not going to med school anymore. I'm going to go to seminary at some point and pursue ministry. Uh, so I told my parents and they're like, all right, you sure? And I was like, yep. And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> When did you know that you wanted to to be in campus ministry? I know you talked a little bit about Elbert, who was the RDF campus minister at Jackson State, and now the senior pastor at Redeemer Church in Jackson. Um, and you, you filled in a little bit as he took that call uh, to Redeemer Church. You were, didn't you say, part-time student, part-time kind of RUF? Were you an RUF intern there? But but how, is that what led you into campus ministry? Did you know prior to that? Or um, just walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so I think so. Uh, during during my last year in college, the campus minister who was there, a part of the university group, he left and then another campus minister came. And she was just encouraging me like, hey, I think you should consider campus ministry. 
And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. I don't see myself doing campus ministry. I see myself doing church planting. Uh, but she was just like, okay, you know, I'm, and, and she had the same story. She was like, yeah, people told me I was going to do campus ministry and I told them why I shouldn't. And look at me here now, I'm doing campus <laughs> ministry. And so, uh, I think my, when I came to seminary, my heart, because I, so the church I was a part of in Charlottesville was Acts 29 church. And so like church planting was just a part of the DNA of that church. It was just a church that wanted to be sent and sending, you know, so they are, were always, uh, strategically trying to plant churches. So I think that was a part of my DNA. My ministry DNA was church planting. And so when I went to seminary, that was the goal. I was like, yeah, church planting is it. That's what I'm going to do. Um, either going to do it with someone as like a, um, to assist them or, and then at some point maybe be, uh, you know, the, or one of the lead guys of a church plant. And I just got in RUF just because it was just a good place to land. Kind of, I was, it was, it had flexible hours. Um, it paid well as an internship. We had to fundraise, but it still paid well as an internship. Uh, and I got a chance to work with Albert, who um, was just, you know, either him or Mike Campbell were, would just been good fits to just learn from just because they were doing ministry and kind of like a, you could say their, their jobs were multi-ethnic. You know, Mike Campbell's senior pastor of multi-ethnic church and Albert was a pastor of a HBCU RUF in the, in a predominantly white denomination, you know, and many of our supporters were predominantly white. So it was just great guys to learn from when navigating those issues within the church. They're just godly, gifted uh, guys, preachers. Uh, man, just Elbert had, uh, you know, he grew up in Jackson, went to HBCU, pastoring there, and had a very significant ministry, very gifted, godly guy who loves to serve. So I was like, yeah, man, I'd love to learn from from him and love to minister to college students and man, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a pretty easygoing person. I think with most things, if I could tell people about Jesus and lead people, I'd probably be okay. You know, I'd probably be happy. Uh, and so I think during my time there, I started to develop a love for campus ministry. I remember the area coordinator at the time, uh, Les Newsom, when he interviewed me to be an intern, he's like, Cyril, I know you're going to church plant, but my job is to convince you that you're going to be an, an RUF campus minister. <laughs> so Man, I guess I guess he he um, he he succeeded. So I ended up becoming an RUF campus minister, uh, and and partly just because um, I love the unique stage of college. It's just a and really the uniqueness of campus ministry is just a ministry where it's very um, parish minded. You know, like the people who I minister to all live within like a couple square miles of each other. They're all the same kind of, they're all deeply connected. They all know each other. Uh, they're all in the same place. So I'm there, I'm with them, I'm present. And it's just a lot of gospel conversations, a lot of people being converted, a lot of people just like, oh yeah, I grew up as a Christian, but my parents walked away from the church or I walked away from the church and now I'm kind of reinvestigating or just people who didn't grow up in the church are just like, hey, this thing seems kind of cool. Like we eat chicken wings and you know, have punch. And then we have an hour long kind of informal kind of worship gathering and just, man, having conversations constantly with college students. It's just normal. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you never heard the gospel before. Let me share it with you. Oh, like you want to, you're considering becoming a Christian. Cool. I'm, I want to convince you to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just being able to honestly kind of just, you know, we have oversight and we're ordained ministers, but there's a lot of freedom to kind of just try out ministry and figure out what events work and what do, what doesn't and kind of figure out, okay, like let's think through this dynamic. And there's a lot of freedom to kind of fail um, just because college students are just very forgiving and they're just really cool. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Like, yeah, that event didn't work, whatever. Like <laughs> let's do something else where I think in the local church, the stakes are just a little higher with that kind of stuff. And you, people are grown. So you just got to let them know in advance. Like I can, send out a text right now about an event that I just thought about right now that's going to be hosted <laughs> tomorrow and people will probably come, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have uh, to run it through about five committees before you make a decision to do something like that. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so I, I think, man, I think RUF is just a great ministry. I think they, the trainings and the ways they care for their ministers is amazing. I think the way that they, uh, train us in philosophy of ministry is great. Um, 
and just in, in, in many of the same ways that, that RYM does ministry, man, I, I really do believe that RUF and RYM have a lot of the, the same DNA and a lot of the same instincts and desires and goals. And so, um, man, and just wanted to be in that unique stage of a lot of students' lives where they're, you know, it's just, I feel like all the time I'm hearing my story and every a lot of people's stories are like, oh yeah, man, like I just, I really felt like that first time when I left my parents' house and was on my own, it was just campus ministry was instrumental in me kind of really trusting and leaning on what my parents or my youth pastor or whoever taught me growing up. Uh, man, so it's just, it's just fun to really kind of be partners with, uh, guys like you who are ministering to, to, um, to youth and loving them and coming alongside of them and man, to be able to have the honor of kind of being entrusted with, uh, these, these kids who are now young adults, uh, is, 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 is a neat ministry. So, um, but at the same time, I, I do miss, like, I, I love the sacraments. Like, I love baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, so I, I, I think I missed that. I, I did the Lord's Supper the other day, and I was like, oh, how cool it would it be to do this regularly. Um, and I think I, uh, I, you know, I'm envious of local church guys who, like, the people they're pastoring are, like, their members. You know, they are, um, they're a part of that church. They are. You know, there's a kind of a official, formal relationship between the pastors and the people they're pastoring. You know, me and my students, we're kind of, there's no formal kind of pastoral relationship in the sense that they are members of my church, you know. Um, I'm like really, are you just kind of like really an evangelistic outpost and mm-hmm. we want to kind of be a a um, kind of midweek uh, kind of kingdom outpost for students who are uh, members and involved with the local church. And hopefully we can convince students to get involved with the local church. Um, I think I realized recently how many of my students don't go to church and I'm just like, Oh dang, I just thought they were going to church. Like, hmm. yeah, y'all need to be going to church. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so and it's, it's fun to be that voice in their lives. Like, yeah. Hey y'all, like, you know, this is what the church is and this is what Jesus says about the church. And like we talk a lot about religion versus relationship. And I think it's cool for me to be able to tell students like, yeah, Christianity is a religion and as good as a religion. Like there are set practices that you need to be doing regularly. There's rites and there's rituals that you need to be going through. Like you need to be taking the Lord's Supper, even though it's ritualistic. You know, you need to be taking baptism, even though it's ritualistic, because ritualistic doesn't mean that it's now meaningless or empty. Like Jesus has appointed these things. Um, like the whole uh, deal of being a member of a church, you know, people, we can see church membership as like going against having a genuine relationship with Jesus. Like, no, Jesus has appointed officers in the church to look after your souls and, and not even your souls, your bodies. Uh, like, you know, we, the gospel has implications for the whole person. So like to be in covenant with the local church is just a, a privilege is just is just a beautiful thing for me to be a part of a church and say like hey you're obligated to be my pastor like care for me you know (laughs) and the pastor is gonna be like hey you're obligated to let me care for you let me care for you you know (laughs) i think i think i I miss that being a part of ruf um Mm -hmm. like that kind of local church membership dynamic yeah but well cyril it's it's great to hear your passion for uh, campus ministry and just your love uh, for RUF. Um, I, I know with, with RUF campus ministers as well as youth workers, there does seem to be a shelf life um, to this ministry, a shorter shelf life maybe. Uh, so, so have you given thought to you know, how long you you plan uh, to be in campus ministry? I know what we don't know the future. I mean, it could be five years. It could be 10 years. I know you ultimately don't know, but even hearing you say, oh man, to be able to have you know, actual members of a congregation and to administer the sacrament. So what are your thoughts there of just, um, you know, how much longer you think you'll, you'll be doing campus ministry and uh, what you might do beyond that? Yeah. You know, and and, and I think about it just because I feel like, and sometimes it's unhelpful for me just because I'm like a, I feel like I'm a vision guy and I'm a dreamer. So I'm like always have some type of like scheme or plan or some type of thing. And I'm like, Oh man, that'd be so cool. Or, Oh man, that'd be so great. Um, so I have my life planned out like 30 years in advance, uh, but, 
But um, yeah, man, I, I really don't know. Like, I'd love to continue to do RUF as long as I can. I think it's interesting, and I, and I think about often what does it mean. Like, I guess what kind of indicators would I feel to let me know that it's time to kind of move on from campus ministry? I, I, I don't know if I know those indicators, but I know guys, when they feel them, they know it. They're just like, yeah, I just kind of sense that, like, the rhythms and, you know, unique dynamics of campus ministry. I think I'm, I'm, the Lord is calling me to something different. Uh, so I, I, my guess would be, uh, I think campus ministry in some ways it, um, it can be, it, it can be, um, I, I almost want to say it's almost like, I think an older person to do this job is probably not the, the norm because I think it takes a lot of energy that a young guy kind of needs to have to, in order to do campus ministry. Like we're kind of like, it almost, I've never planted a church, but it almost feels like we're perpetually kind of like in the first year of church planting. Like we're always trying to get in new people because people are always leaving because Mm -hmm. students graduate every year. (laughs) So fourth of our group is gone every year. So I'm always trying to like bring in new students. So we're constantly thinking through outreach. Like if we don't do outreach, we just don't have a ministry. Uh, (laughs) Like there's a practical, if, if we don't have a more godly reason to do, um, outreach. That's one. You just want to have a job if you don't do it. Uh, like, um, we have to set up every week, you know, we're not at a, our own space. Um, so we, I'm moving amps and I'm setting up and breaking down. Um, I'm going to volleyball events and I'm, you know, hosting basketball tournaments and I'm kind of, you know, so I think there's a heavy kind of, uh, kind of energy demand in campus ministry where I think there might not be energy man in the same way in a local church. I think when you're dealing with a wider array of ages and, you know, I think there, you know, I'm not sure how many senior pastors find themselves playing volleyball and ultimate Frisbee, <laughs> you know, basketball tournaments on the regular, uh, <laughs> like setting up and breaking down church services. And, but I think, um, my guess is I really don't know, but my guess is when guys kind of feel like, Hey, I feel like I'm getting older. My kids are getting older. I feel like, my energy, my energy level to kind of keep up with the campus kind of pace is kind of waning. I just just need something that kind of fits more with where I'm at as a minister. And I also think uh, like there's a I think a, a, a higher level of experience that I think church local church ministry requires. Hmm. I, I kind of sense that the, you know, in, in the words of one of my buddies, like in some ways the stakes are higher, you know, I think there's just, and there's more, um, at play and at work, there's kind of more moving pieces that just kind of require somebody to just be a little older and more experienced to kind of have more birthday, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when people think about a local church pastor, I think, you know, they think about someone who has, you know, a few gray hairs. Uh, so I think right now campus ministry is kind of like a, um, a perfect kind of fit for where I'm at in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to where I can tell them something and they can kind of believe it, but I'm young enough to where I still know what it's like to be a college student and I can run around on campus and I can hang out with them and they won't think I'm the weird old guy hanging out with them, you know? But, uh, so, uh, but I bet, man, I, I just know a lot of guys who are in, who've been doing RUF for 20, 30 years and they're still going strong and they don't want to do anything else. And, you know, I, th- I think there's a blessing and a benefit to having that experience uh, on the college campus. I think there's a blessing to have guys who. Um, uh, oh, man, I just forgot what I was about to say the experience. Um, oh, yeah. And guys who kind of have like that fatherly vibe, you know. Like, I think in some ways that's what Elbert had on campus. Like he, people saw him as a dad, you know, or like a, a, a uncle, you know, older type of figure. People see me as like, okay, is he a college student or like, what is he? You know, people ask me what year I'm in, like, what's my classification, what's my major, you know? (laughs) So, you know, I, I mean, if, if my, I think if I never feel those, probably what I think are likely indicators of guys who move on from RUF and I'm like, you know, my thirties and in 40s late 30s and 40s doing ruf even 50s or 60s like i think there's still a very important um space for that just because of all all the things i mentioned 
For sure. And, and I mean, that's where you get the interns under you so they can lift up, you know, the amps and move the speakers and, and do all that stuff. So you don't, right. you don't have to when you're the dad, huh? <laughs> right. Um, look, I, I know we're closing this down, but we, we always like to, to give out some kind of resource recommendation. So do you, do you have a book or it could be a podcast or a blog post, something that you've come across that you think would be helpful. It doesn't have to be campus ministry. It could be anything, um, but just a, a recommendation for us. Uh, man, so I think any resources, blogs, or like I really don't listen to blogs. Uh, and I don't listen to podcasts or a lot of pastors on podcasts. Um, I kind of dabble in it every once in a while. And I'm horrible at reproducing book names and titles. I mean, I think really what I would encourage people is to uh, really take seriously their own kind of local influences and their own local resources and their own local people doing ministry in their own town. I think that books like books and, and, you know, different blogs have been heavily instrumental in my life. Like I think early on, I, I listened to a lot of John Piper and I've read a lot of Tim Keller books. Uh, he shaped a lot of the ways I think. Um, there's plenty of guys and, 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 and authors and, and ladies in African-American tradition uh, in my local church and uh, books and blogs that have influenced the way I think a lot. Uh, but I think, man, I think throughout my life, I've just seen that the people who have most heavily influenced me are my pastors. Like my favorite preacher is probably my pastor, just because that's the only preacher I listen to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, as far as uh, blogs, I, I think just... Uh, things that are, I think in my head blogs are kind of like jump starts. You know, if I really just feel like I need to know something quickly, I'm going to like Google a blog real quick. Um, as far as books I'm reading, I think I just read them as I feel like I need to, you know, if a ministry issue pops up and I'm like, Oh, I don't know a lot about that. Let me read about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, then I kind of quickly find a book and try and like really, you know, bang it out and read it. Um, but yeah, I think man, just valuing people, that are in your city, in your church and leaning on them and pursuing them and getting their wisdom and sitting across from them and developing friendships with them. Because believe it or not, the best the best preacher that you know is likely the guy uh, who preaches to you week in and week out. Like that's the person who loves you. That's the person who knows you. That's the person who knows what you're going through. Um, and even if they're not like, you know, as good as Matt Chandler or, you know, whoever else, like they're preaching the word and they are in the text and they're giving it to you week in and week out and you should uh let them shape you and realize how they have shaped you and you know uh appreciate that so i guess that's my kind of unorthodox encouragement <laughs> no, i think that that's a good word for sure and uh cyril look just thank you so much for taking out this time and, and sharing your story uh with us i know that many are going to be blessed by it and we'll, we'll learn from it so thank you all right. Thank you. It was great to be here. I'm, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thanks again to those who have listened. I hope you have enjoyed the longer format of this podcast as we've sh shifted to one day a week. If you check out the show notes, you'll notice that we are, are, are unable to provide uh, hyperlinks to the timestamps. We still have timestamps list, listed to where you can jump back and forth in the podcast fairly easily. So we hope those are helpful. Y'all have a good day. Without money, oh, come and feast without.